Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Kendrick Whiteman. This is Zoom Room. A youth-produced podcast where we zoom into a different theme or topic through interviews and conversations relevant to us, the youth of Alaska. Nick Carpenter has been making music in Alaska under the name Medium Build since 2016. Drawing inspirations from 80s country music and 90s R&B, Medium Build songs convey intimate stories drawn from Carpenter's personal experiences. Earlier this summer, Medium Build signed a major label contract with Island Records. This fall, they head out on tour in the lower 48. Then, it's off to Europe. Atme producer Maria Koop sat down with Carpenter in our studio for an extended conversation about his music. He talks about what the major label signing means for the future of the band, the impact his religious upbringing has had on his music, and much more. What's up? What's up? Thanks for coming on. (laughs) Of course. Um, So, congratulations on signing on to Island Records. Thank you. Yeah. Can you talk about how that came about? Yeah. So, it was like a long process of meeting a bunch of labels. Um, Basically, there's like a couple ways to get signed. You can like blow up on TikTok and have like a viral moment, and then all the labels will kind of swoop in. Or you can do it kind of how we did it, which is just, a very long slow kind of growth mm-hmm. and then i mean we haven't had like a viral moment we just kind of had like a little bit of buzz i guess um which is silly to say out loud but <laughs> um last like july 2022 i met with my first label meeting i was like oh my god i'm so nervous i'm so excited i can't believe it and then that label kind of went away and then nobody really came around for a couple months and then like november like two showed up to talk and then by March, we had like 10, 15 people we were meeting with, like, and it was, everyone was kind of coming around. And so then like, we kind of just kept having conversations and some people, you know, maybe we're just there cause they other people were there. It got, it got competitive and weird and sort of like, uh, you know, a little contest, but we ended up going with Island because the people on the team were the most like human, like the most down to earth. Like I met some really serious like industry types that were just like very bro-y and like, bro, we're gonna we're gonna get you so rich. We're gonna blah 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 blah. And it's like, dude, I don't want that. And like yeah. the CEO of Island came to my show in LA and he he was hanging with my lawyer and they were just talking about their kids and like what they like to do on the weekends and I was like, That's the kind of person I want around. I don't want like some jock like stat person oh man you did a million streams yesterday like hell yeah bro i I want like somebody who's just like down to earth and wants to hang and um that's kind of the team i want around me and so yeah it was a long long annoyingly i went to so many lunches and had so many zoom calls (laughs) and but it's you know i hated doing it but now that we have a partner it feels like good and i don't have to do that anymore (laughs) yeah like super satisfying to finally find your your end yeah, because now, the beginning. yeah, exactly. Now it's like, now we get to work together, mm-hmm. right? It's like if you're picking roommates or if you're picking, imagine you could assemble your family. If you could assemble your coworkers, like that's what we're doing right now. My manager and I, we, we picked a lawyer and we love him. And then we picked a label and now we're about to pick a, a publishing team, which is the other side. Like the record label does like all the recorded music and then the publishing 
team like works on all of your written stuff so like getting the songs i write into like movies and tv or like getting me in the room with other artists that want to write for them like so now we're assembling that team and each each person you add on like you want them to understand your vision and who you are and you want them to you know love the music and want to hang out and like also that's really what you want people you you want to spend time with right yeah you want to be able to stand your coworkers. yeah be able to not dread your work exactly or if they show up at your concert like am i gonna feel trapped if these five people come and hang out backstage are they people who know how to hang out are they gonna check on my heart are they real are they Mm -hmm. you know you want this world is crazy and this job is silly and you want people you can hang out with (laughs) right yeah no you seem to um want that close to your heart and Mm. kind of like intimate feel yeah Yeah. like you want to preserve that yeah 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 so you'd say that's pretty important to you hugely yeah Mm -hmm. i think it's like my it's part of like who i am and i feel like it's alaskan too it's like no pretense like you know like my friend's visiting he's like oh do i do i need to bring someone to wear i was like nobody in alaska cares (laughs) what you wear right it's like i don't care I, I care about who people are and that's what a, my, a lot of my songs are about like internal heart and soul gushy maybe late night thoughts like mm-hmm. deep an- anxieties but also like hopes and dreams and like I, you don't have to be a super deep person to be like on my team but i do want there to be some sort of i don't know reality check definitely don't want to spend my time trying to be cool or mm-hmm. be rich or be seen at dinners in LA it's like that's not why I got into this I didn't write songs so I could be like you know like a celeb I wrote songs so I could process my life yeah and as part of it kind of connecting with your fans as well like keeping um a semi-personal connection with your fans yeah you know fans that's like a new concept to me like I always thought it was just like people who listen to medium build it, it was if people listen to medium build and it's like, Oh cool. Like then we can talk about, I know a, a lot about medium build songs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so it's like, we have, we share an interest. Like, right. so now, yeah, that there are more people and fandom is like something I I've never really processed. But like, to me, it's like, yeah, I try to be real on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Like just to be, I mean, be real, LOL. Like, <laughs> like it's like, you know, yes, it's online and it's silly, but like, I try to interact with people. Like I, I respond to messages. I mainly, cause I do feel like if you're into my songs, then like we probably share, uh, some sort of either giant existential anxieties <laughs> or, you know, like there's some sort of mental way we're on. Right. Yeah. yeah. And just your, the atmosphere of your concerts are very intimate and personal. Like, um, I know if you come early, you'll just talk to your fans. Um, and kind of have a first name basis with them. So is that something that's pretty important for you to preserve? Yeah, I, I like definitely hear totally. I want to I want to preserve a safe environment. I want it to be like something that people can come and make friends at. Like mm-hmm. I, we last week I played at Hilltop and I had a couple of people come up to me in the line and they said we met at a medium build show and now mm-hmm. we're like besties or whatever. And wow. like that to me is so cool. Or people that end up like waiting in line for merch together and then they become friends and um 
I want that. I don't know how, you know, a piece of me also, like when I play Alaska and shows, like I came up here, like this is where, this is the people that love me first and kind of supported me. And so, um, I definitely want to be present at the Alaska shows. I think in the, in the, in the States, it's getting harder where I, I get a bit more anxious, mm-hmm. especially if I don't know them. Like I know a lot of people here. I know a lot of like the fans or, I mean, they're my, my, my homies. Like, yeah. you know, I don't really see Alaskans as like fans. I see them as like neighbors and coworkers and friends and peers. And, but sometimes when I go down South, it, I get a little anxious and we'll kind of hide in the green room sometimes, but that's just cause I think I'm trying to get to know like what this next era feels like and how, how to protect and preserve my like inner self. Mm-hmm. But definitely I want everyone to feel free to literally walk up to me and say anything. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about your experience with Alaska fans versus national. Mm. I mean, literally like my first shows here, were filled with just like friends and coworkers and mm-hmm. um family so it, it's as people slowly kind of caught on to the medium build thing here i just i see i mean you know i see everyone's faces like it's the same faces I mean, it, it's changed a little bit over the couple of years like there's definitely been eras and now that there's like you know new kids are aging into like being like oh i'm i go to medium build shows like mm-hmm. Um, it's funny yesterday, somebody was telling me that they didn't come to medium build show for forever. Cause they thought it was like a young kid thing <laughs> just because like our fan base, like four years ago, five years ago was like a lot of like people in their thirties. And now it's like yeah. kind of regenerated. And I'm like, I'm like, it's just hilarious to me. Cause I, I can't perceive who cares. Like I don't, I can't control it and I don't really care to, mm-hmm. I'm just like, if you connect with it, you'll come. If it's fun, you'll be there. And like, I think there's a lot of stuff. There's stuff in the songs for anybody. Um, but yeah, the Alaskan shows just feel like family. It feels like a, a, a cousin swap meet, like parking lot hang. Like that's why <laughs> like when I play at like Anchorage Brewing or Hilltop, like especially there's like kind of free sprawling shows, like just show up, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We play for three hours, goofy jam. Like that stuff's like, to me, that's in Alaska, I can just be, totally myself completely unguarded when i go into the states you kind of have to have your act together right Mm -hmm. generally like the tickets are more money and there's a bit more of like a kind of pomp and circumstance thing like oh we got to play the album you know um alaska is where i get to try my new stuff it's where i get Mm -hmm. to let my hair down it's where i get to like just kind of be whatever so there's Mm -hmm. definitely a sweet spot in my heart for here and and coming up here and growing up here yeah would you say that alaska fans kind of have an ownership over you like um if if you remain in alaska you have to stay here Mm. that kind of sentiment there's definitely a bit of a it's small town pride you know it's um i was trying to tell someone i'm like we're like an alaskan sports team medium build it's like yeah because we don't have you know a big team like there's this that local pride the way that people used to have it about the aces and then now they have about the the wolverines but Mm -hmm. um yeah alaskans i think i think the mindset has grown i don't think it's so much old school i think back in the day like 90s 2000s like you know like when portugal moved from here to portland i think there was a bit of like oh alaskans can't have nice things like um a little chip on the shoulder but now what I love about touring is that Alaskans show up at every show. 
Like yeah. there's there's rarely a night that there's not an Alaskan or an Alaskan transplant or an Alaskan cousin or somebody who shows up, comes up to me at the merch table and is like, yo, I used to live in Anchorage or yeah. my cousin lives in, in Fairbanks and they sent me your, your stuff like way back in the day and I've been listening and this is my first time seeing you. And there's always some sort of connection to Alaska and uh, just it's just huge amounts of pride. Yeah. And so no, I mean... It's all right. I'll let people be, I'll let people own me a little bit. I'll let people like kind of think that I'm there. I mean, I'm fine. I, I, I'm literally lucky enough to have this job. Like that's so crazy. Yeah. So I'm like, sure. Y'all can have, you can have me. Right. <laughs> I still like, I'll still get to get me at the end of the night. Right. I still give my little inner child, like my own thoughts, my own consciousness, but like medium build is Alaska's. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's a that's a cool evolution of the music scene. How instead of um, Alaskans just standing their ground and staying here and being bitter, they kind of they branch out to the other states. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you were kind of a part of getting that in momentum? I feel like I just came up in that in a different in that era. Like the internet has changed. Like when I first moved to Anchorage in two thousand nine, this was pre Instagram. Mm-hmm. There was obviously like Facebook and MySpace and whatever, but like you could tell that Anchorage was kind of behind mm-hmm. on trends and stuff. Definitely. Um, but now in the Instagram era, like and the TikTok era, like and just like the way that like social media has changed, like Alaska's not behind. It's just different, right? Towns now all are aware of trends at the same exact time, right? We're getting, we're seeing the picture of whoever on the red carpet we're all watching this episodes of euphoria at the same time there's not there's no like oh oh, it airs here a month later it's like we are getting culture at the same exact time now and i think i'm when i moved back uh in 2016 and started doing medium build here it just kind of happened to be at the time of like the mass it feels like we've progressed as a society in the past five years like very rapidly like compared to like 90s and 2000s it's like oh every couple months it's like something new pops off and i just feel like lucky i it was just like kind of good timing i don't know if i cultivated that but i think we're just in an era where like alaskans are there's a lot of people living like here in seattle or living here in new york or like there's like we're alaskan identity is i think shaping or changing into something that can be more amorphous mm-hmm. I, I know a lot more people who have ties here but also have ties somewhere else and are kind of like we're encouraging people to leave and come back right like i'll never not be here even if i go spend the winter in nashville or la my parents are still here my family's here like my 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 soul is here and i'll be doing like holidays here and until forever in my ideal life i come back here and i'm i'm here forever but like even if you go you're still alaskan that's, right. You still got that like stank on you. You still got yeah. that that bug spray on you. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like uh, I think that's just the big thing to remember is that we can have nice things and you can be successful and Alaskan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We're we're integrated into the rest of America. Yeah, well, and the computer works, right? Like yeah. people in LA like ask me like, "How did you do it from Alaska?" They're like jealous. Yeah. They're like, because oh, I've been in L.A. for like five years and like my shit hasn't popped like that. And it's like, OK, well, I didn't like I just use the Internet. I don't yeah. know. And I have we have a genuine Anchorage has a genuine scene with genuine fans and genuine people that like text their 
homies that live in other states and go, yo, you got to check Medium Build out. Yeah. Like I didn't buy, some kid asked me yesterday if I bought ads. What? He's like, yo, did you buy ads when you were first starting? I was like, no. Why would I buy ads? I had like 500 monthly listeners. Like that's, yeah. I just, that's all my goal was, was just to have people listen to it and feel it. And I hope that it works. And um, all the clout and all the numbers eventually will fade. Like Instagram will get deleted by some bot and will be, you know, and it's like, who, who knows the songs, right? I hope the songs live on longer than my coolness does. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. In Alaska, there's more of an incentive to put the work in. When you live in LA, you feel like you have this magical privilege that you're just going to get big because you live in a, a city like that, that's centered on arts and music. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's part of it. Yeah. I think Alaskans also kind of have a, I mean, you can tell me if this feels right, but like we, we kind of don't think that we're going to break out. Like mm-hmm. no one, it's like, I don't have like huge ambitions. Like it's like, I mean, I want, obviously I think we all want the best, mm-hmm. but like when you're playing in Alaska, you're like, well, I'm kind of on this Island. Like, yeah, I'm just here to like, to get better and impress my friends. And mm-hmm. like, so I feel like it's just your approach is such more community driven or so much more organic, like fire Island, like great bread. Like they're not trying to be the best bread in the world. They're trying to be the best bread in Anchorage. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, and that's, I, I, I just want to medium build to be like just the, the best stuff in Anchorage. I wanted Alaskans to have like, you know, that's if you keep your focus sharp and on what you can do today, what you can do in your neighborhood, I feel like then when it goes big, it's the recipe's good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't want to change the recipe because we're on a major label. Right. Like, I don't want to be, oh, okay, now I got to get 80 different producers in. It's like, no, I'm just going right. to keep doing it how I've been doing it, like with a little bit more budget. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so important to sharpen your skills in a smaller place where there's less less competition. Yeah. So you kind of, you understand what your goal is. Yeah. Because then you can bring it on to bigger cities. But when you're just, when your goal is to kind of beat everyone else around you, you're not, you're not really developing yeah. any skills. Yeah. That took me a long time to learn. I <laughs> yeah. was in Nashville from when I was like 20 to 25. Um, and I just had no clue who I was. And mm-hmm. I was trying to do so many different things because I didn't, I didn't, hadn't been still with myself enough to like, some kids I think just know who they are earlier on. Like mm-hmm. I was a late bloomer, like, you know, so it took me a while to kind of, had like several different identity crises and um but coming to coming back to anchorage and like developing it here and being quiet and quitting music and just becoming a bartender and like that was enough of a stillness for my spirit to like figure it out figure out what it is that i did i do right that i want to do yeah yeah and you're from atlanta georgia originally right yeah how did you make it up to alaska um, so my older brother, it's just the two of us. He's six and a half years older than me. So he's like kind of my hero T- basically was like kind of helped raise me and like everything he did, I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. so he moved to Anchorage. Well, he moved to Knack for like a, uh, working in the salmon cannery, um, in 2009. 
And he called me after it and it was a classic, like beautiful Alaskan day. And he was like, this place is magical. You got to get up here. Just like today, right? It's like, if you see Alaska for the first time or Anchorage for the first time in a day like this, like sunny, 70 degrees, you're like, this place is paradise. I'm moving here immediately. So he convinced me to move up. I just graduated high school, had no plans, had a terrible GPA, didn't do very well in school. So I was like, cool, I'll just go to Alaska. And, and uh, we got busboy jobs at the Moose's Tooth. Mm-hmm. And I lived downtown and we walked, I would walk to the Moose's Tooth. And um, yeah, I did that for like seven months. And that's kind of where I got my Alaska egg. I spent a winter here and then I was like, okay, I need to go back home and kind of figure out what I'm doing because I knew I wasn't on the right path but I didn't know what that was so I floundered around for a while south and went to Tennessee for school and then after a couple years in school and I dropped out and I was like all right I think I know what I want to do I just want to write songs and I want to like bartend and maybe work in I I love food and restaurants and I just kind of figured that I would maybe like start a restaurant or something and write songs on the side and so I came back and my brother at that point had also been like brewing and working at restaurants and um, so we just kind of, I don't know, we just hung out and I'd started making songs again, but then our, then my parents followed us up. So now we're all here and my brother's got some kids. And I mean, now I feel like we're more Alaskan than we are Georgian yeah. at all. Yeah. This is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you're talking about, um, all these food industry jobs. Can you like, how has that impacted your career? Okay. Well, it's definitely given me a slice of humility because I've been, you know, every every night on tour, we're playing these restaurants or these bars, right? Like I've been that bartender playing, mm-hmm. working a concert. Like I've, I've been that, that person like clearing the, the green room. Like I, I know how to bus tables and um, I've worked at hotels. So every night if, if we're at the hotel, I see if someone's trying to carry my bags or whatever, I'm like, yo, like, hell yeah. Like go off here's some here's here's 10 bucks like Mm -hmm. i i know the hustle i know like the the grind of being in service industries and i feel like music kind of is still a service industry like i now serve people in song i serve people at the merch table i serve people you know i it's just human it's a human job Mm -hmm. you have to interface with people you have to like read people's emotions you have to anticipate needs and so much of the job now is is anticipating needs and being showing up with my heart open and um it's they 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 feel so intertwined yeah yeah it's prepared me hugely yeah i feel like a lot of people say that they're two very different things and if you want to pursue music you got to quit your (laughs) dead-end restaurant job and you know do that do um pursue music but um yeah i, agree. I think sometimes that's, a, that's very... a trap like yeah i needed i had some great song ideas being stuck at the bar wiping a counter like cleaning up beer and broken glass like sometimes that's when your brain in the middle of a task you free your brain up to be creative yeah whereas if you just quit your job and you're just like oh i'm gonna be creative all day it's like no one does that i mean that's like sure some people can do that but like i need chores like i like doing mindless chores that's like now i like hiking or jogging or riding my bike like even if it's the same loop i do every day Mm -hmm. it's it's like 30 minutes where i'm out of my head and then all of a sudden like 
a lyric will come or like a melody or whatever. It's like, it's just good to remember that life is not all about you yeah. and working a restaurant <laughs> or even just going and sitting at a restaurant and like watching how people treat people like, it's just good. It's good to get out of your head. Good to remember there's other people in the world. Right. Yeah. And art imitates life. Life imitates art. So you need somewhere to um, start the cycle. You need somewhere to draw. From. Yeah. Yeah. I there's like a Waylon Jennings quote that I heard uh, uh, John Mulaney talking about, like you <laughs> about how he's like, well, I used to a fan told Waylon used to write songs about my life, but now you write songs about your life, right? And it's like as people get rich or famous, like they start they stop talking about real people's stuff, like mm-hmm. and they just like are talking about their like. And I think that's kind of uh, relates on so many levels of like do you have a life that's worth talking about? Mm-hmm. Do you, can you tell stories? Like, are you relatable? Yeah. Right. <laughs> At all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I deeply don't want to lose my human element as yeah. success comes. I mean, I, yeah, I just, yeah, there's no, there's no part of me that wants to just be removed like from society. It's like, I, I deeply want to be tuned in. I don't want to lose touch of what's, what's real. And I think, community we need community to have that right you have yeah. to have friends you have to have co-workers you ha- need to share space with people that you don't agree with or don't see eye to eye with and um luckily traveling is so uncomfortable you're forced <laughs> <laughs> you're forced to be with so many different people it's good yeah do you feel kind of a pressure to keep that um authentic local sound like the hmm. Um, like the humility of working in in a restaurant, kind of that that sort of atmosphere to your songs, like something that anyone can relate to. Do you feel a pressure to preserve that? Hmm. I like that question. That's interesting. Um, I I don't know if 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 it feels like a pressure as much as it is sort of a challenge um mm-hmm. like like bruce springsteen for example i feel like he came up on songs about working class stuff and then i feel like when he got big he doubled down on it like all of 80s springsteen which is a very rich man singing mm-hmm. about like working on engines and 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 yeah. standing in line waiting for to get a ticket to the fair or some or some real human stuff and I think that's when he went from like Bruce Springsteen, like the like kind of young rocker kid to like Bruce Springsteen, the storyteller. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of writers that I'm obsessed with, like John Prine or Randy Newman or Laurie McKenna or, you know, Amy Lou Harris or something, they do kind of maintain writing stories about real people, even as their lives become kind of, I mean, to, to be a rich person that lives in LA and like just like makes money off of their art is kind of a fantasy land. So I think a lot of these people force themselves to write about real stuff. And, um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a pressure to, but I definitely want to continue telling stories that are relatable. Like, but then I even kind of see it more in like, um, in, in like a movie way. Like, I mean, let's say like Nick, let's say Nick Carpenter's life becomes really fictional and silly. And most of my life is spent like flying around playing shows and like being treated very nice by everyone. Like where's the, 
the hardship becomes in like, well, do I have great connections with people, right? There's new, I will always look for the pain because I feel like pain is a great unifier. And so I don't know if, yeah, that's a really, I mean, it's kind of like, do you become a meme of yourself? Like, do I become, as medium bill grows, does then I'm like, oh, two albums from now, am I like, I need to write a classic medium build song. Like, and you're kind of imitating, you see artists do it, like try to imitate their earlier stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I hope, I hope not. I hope that I can like grow and tell interesting stories while also still reporting from like the front lines of like how I feel. Yeah. Even if I am like, let's say for 10 years from now, I'm like this detached, rich weirdo that like lives in Brooklyn and has like eight cats and not relatable to anybody. I hope that I can still from that point turn around and say, Hey, this is what it feels like to be this person today. And in that reporting, I mean, it's why sharing of ideas is so beautiful, right? I don't know what it's like to be, uh, like a, a young girl in Europe in world war two, but you can read a book and be like, Oh my God, this is so relatable. Yeah. Um, so I hope that I can stay relatable, but no, I, I think the pressure is just to, it's so corny to say, but the pressure is just to be honest Yeah. and be real about it. Mm-hmm. Do you write about anything beyond your time in Alaska, like your time in Georgia? I understand you grew up in the church. Do you, do you find yourself writing about that as much? Definitely. I feel like I'm a late processor. So like there's a song on the upcoming album that's about like my childhood in the church and about when I left the church and about that feeling. And it's more existential. It's not like, uh, like a, it's not like about an event. It's about a big feeling and, um, sort of looking back through a lens and stuff just creeps up on me. Mm -hmm. I don't really think like about place always, but I mean, Alaska has certainly informed my writing in a deep way, but, um, tour influences my writing. I, I really don't think about when, when and why I'm going to write, but then, yeah, I'm constantly processing old stuff. And um, sometimes I'm surprised at what shows up. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of this album is about like growing and, and trying to, like I've, I've been in a stable relationship for the past couple of years. So I, it's a lot of songs about like more internal digging and, you know, I'm not in like my, like, Oh, like, do they love me like turmoil right yeah. now? So I've been my, like, am I a decent person era? Like, who do I want to be? Like I'm digging, I'm digging through a lot of like memories and goals and like, what are my motivations and who am I stuff? So it's a bit, it's kind of heady stuff I'm in recently, but, mm-hmm. um, I just, I just get, you know, life just shows up. <laughs> I just try to document it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me more about your late, or your slow processing, your late processing? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I am 32 years old. I, but I still remember, like, this is silly, but like, I, I got a DM this morning from my, my first serious girlfriend when I was like 19. Yeah. And she told me that a friend of ours had, had passed. And, um, she wanted to reach out and say, thank you for our time together. And our, our, you know, we were kids. We didn't treat each other with a ton of, uh, 
love and respect when it ended. We were kind of like, you know, mean and bratty and we were like, you know, drunk 20 year olds. It was not a, a, a great time in my, in my life, but I, but she was being very gracious and she reached out and said, I only think fondly of, of who you are and who we were. And, and I, I felt the same way. And so like, I might be processing that this year, right? I might be, I might look back on 20 year old Nick and, and think about what that, um, what he did for me mm-hmm. now, like, and that's the kind of late processing. I mean, like I might process, um, my move here now that I wasn't able to look at like the, the Nick that moved back here in 2016, like dropping out of school, leaving a relationship, kind of wondering who he is. Like, I couldn't look at that guy with very much clarity when I was in 2017, 2018, yeah. right? Cause I was still healing from that stuff. So now that I'm like moved on and I'm like in a different chapter of the book, I think I can look back at that kid or the kid, the 20, you know, 10 kid who worked at a grocery store and fell in love with this, you know, like coworker. And now I'm hearing from her 10 years later and we haven't, you know, spoken in a long time. It's like, Oh, Holy crap. Like, what I, yeah, it's just like sink in who, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What do I need to appreciate for that kid? What do I hope for that kid? Like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I get, I think it's heady, but I just, I think we're all trying to like hug our inner child. Yeah. <laughs> I think life is constantly about trying to heal inner pain and, um, and forgive yourself and forgive your families and like, I don't know. We're all we're all suffering, and it, and it's it can be really heady and sad, but it also can just be so light and just say like, hey, yeah, it happened, and what am I gonna do today to like celebrate that I'm still alive? Yeah, definitely. And do you think that um, the way you process things is a blessing? Like it kind of allows you time to forget the 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 negative <laughs> versions. Like, do you does it almost give you like a well, I'm yeah, I'm such a good noticer of negative in the now. Like mm-hmm. I'm very in my present, I can be super aware of the the uncomfortable stuff. So, yeah, when I do look back, it's easy to gloss over the pain, right? Like this woman messaging me this morning, she's being grace graceful, right? She's being gracious, like saying, "Hey, I look back on our time with great, you know, cause a lot of our time was us like just numbing out, getting like going to parties and getting messed up. And like, you know, we didn't argue a bunch or anything, but like definitely at the time we both were like not fully formed and probably avoiding and um, not our happiest self. So she's choosing to not focus on the negative. <laughs> and um, I have a song about our relationship. It's pretty dark and, um, and I, I can look back on those li- with the lens of positive, and I can look back on the lens of negative. And I, and I, um, I don't want to whitewash everything with like, oh, it was all, it was all great. Like sometimes people suck, sometimes I suck, sometimes I have sucked, and I will suck again. Right? I, w- I will hurt someone again. I will fail. I will not honor my, my code of ethics. Um, I hope to not but I will and I have to have um, a right lens on that I can't just look back with like oh it's all good but I do think yes it it is an interesting gift or it's an interesting part of my job that I get to go farm my memories 
Um, I write a lot about my dad because my dad and I weren't really close when I was a kid. We've kind of gotten closer as adults. Mm -hmm. And I mourn that I wish I had more dad time when I was 12. Yeah. But I didn't know how to relate to him, and I don't think he knew how to relate to me. Now we can hang and talk and we relate, and it's different. Um, but I write, I, I write a lot about that. And my mom and I, who I've been attached to her hip since I was a kid, I don't really write about my mom a lot. I just love my mom. We, we are like homies. We, we've been, which is funny. Like maybe, why do you write? Why do I write about like the tension? Like why am I not writing like a, a, a oh me and my mom were besties? Like that feels like a song I could easily write, but instead I focus on like maybe some of the missed opportunities between my father and I. Yeah. Um, maybe I think this is more interesting. I think pain is interesting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's every art medium. Um, right like movies are more interesting when there's strife and tension and yeah. bad things same with music same with stories we love yeah. drama yeah exactly <laughs> i don't know what it is about the human mind like our psychology i guess we like living vicariously through someone's pain without having to experience it ourselves. or i'm yeah. not sure well i think we is. all constantly are in pain yeah and so watching someone go through pain it makes us feel like not alone yeah, it's like that's oh, true. Yeah. you know my my strife might be having enough money to go get groceries, or your strife might be your commute, or your strife might be your roommate situation. Mm -hmm. But watching someone overcome adversity in film or in a song, you're like, I can make it through this. Having to go to the post office and mail something in and it's 90 degrees and there's no AC and I'm anxious. Like that might be the worst day of your life having to go do a chore because you have anxiety and you don't like leaving the house. And so watching somebody watching Frodo carry the ring, yeah. it's like, Oh my God, that's me taking my mail. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you ever feel like that with your own music from the past? Like you're, are you ever able to in a kind of like metaphysical way, look at your past self and use it to relate to your current troubles. Hmm. That's interesting. I think sometimes I, yeah, like sometimes my, my songs, like my older songs will hit me in a weird way about something different or like I'll have written some stuff in the past that like maybe I was aspiring to be and then now it's real. Yeah. And I'm like, oh crap. Like there's this song in Little Chubby Boy um, yeah. it's like one day that guitar, like little, little chubby boy with a cheap guitar. One day that thing is going to take you far away and buy you a house and spoil your parents. And when I wrote that, none of that stuff was true. And now it's true. Like yeah. I am getting to like treat my parents and afford to live. And like, I, I, my partner and I bought a house two years ago and like, it wasn't all because of music money, but like eventually that will be real and eventually I will be able to like like the island stuff like and then the next couple of years of touring like I think one day I'm literally about to be able to buy my parents a house and like that stuff makes me cry like a baby but also I like thank I thank 2017 Nick for manifesting that yeah. and for saying it out loud even though it was kind of corny at the time I was like oh that's kind of corny to put it like it's so sincere it's so like heart on sleeve and now I'm like that's tight <laughs> <laughs>
Alaska Teen Media Institute is looking for youth to join our team. As a youth producer, you can conduct interviews like the one you're listening to right now, edit audio, record voiceovers, help write scripts, and much more. And all of that is paid work. And get this, while we're based in Anchorage, you don't have to be there to work with us. A lot of the work we do is done remotely. So if you're between ages 13 and 24, living in Alaska and interested in joining at me, go to alaskateenmedia.org slash join. You can email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. Now back to Maria's conversation with Nick Carpenter of Medium Build. Yeah, and as far as manifesting goes, what what's your view on that? Like, what what is your definition of manifesting? Um, not to go f- too woo-woo, but, like, mm-hmm. I think manifesting um, for me looks like um, not it, – it's actually, like, what you don't um, put on the future, right? Like, I, I don't want to have a, such a tight grip on how I want life to go that I miss – a, a left turn that I could take, right? Like I, I right now, I mean, my goal, goal, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's silly to even say out loud, but like, like I, in 2016, when I moved to Anchorage, I had a goal and I was like, I want to, I want to get a grip on my relationship with alcohol and I want to like make songs and I want to get signed. And I didn't know what that really all meant. I just was like, I have to change my life. When I moved here, I was like very much ne- ne- like so negative relationship with alcohol, like medicating, self-medicating, kind of drunk all the time, very avoidant, not very in touch with my body. Like, and, and I was just hurting and I like knew that I needed to do something better. And I made it, I wrote it down like, you know, sober and signed. It was like mm-hmm. kind of a joke, but like today I like have, so much better a relationship with alcohol. Like I am signed, not that that even matters because you don't have to be signed to like be where I am. Mm-hmm. But it's like those those kind of things. Like I I spoke them into existence. I had a goal, right? I didn't say, oh, I'm gonna be signed to this label or I'm gonna be that. You know, I just knew I wanted something better for myself. Yeah. And it took seven years to get there. And you know, seven years from now, I might be like writing more film and TV than I am songs. Yeah. I'm open-minded. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I want to write. I know I know I want to be creative. I know I want to maintain connection to myself. So I'm, I'm quote unquote manifesting like good things. I'm like hoping for health. I want to, I want to be able to, you know, hike up Mount Marathon when I'm 60 years old. Like I, I, those, that's a goal. I want to learn how to fly. Like I want to get my pilot's license and yeah. fly my little bush plane around Alaska when I'm an old man. Like that's those are goals that I I'm saying out loud now so that we can check in in seven years. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe I manifested we have it, that. We have it on recording. <laughs> yeah. No. Would you say it's like something spiritual to you or just what is it? How do you approach it? Well, coming out of like the God stuff, I was kind of like anti like that kind of stuff. But I, I, yeah, I think it is spiritual. I think it's, I don't, I can't define God for me or for anybody, but like, I'm, I just, I feel like I got that dog in me, man. (laughs) Like, I just feel like I have this feeling in me that needs to bust loose sometimes. And I think it's, it, maybe that's spirit or God, or maybe it's like, 
how much I love dogs and trees. Like, I, I don't know if maybe it's all one thing or maybe it's a million different things, but, um, I feel a need to create and I feel the need to connect mm -hmm. with people. Right. And when I can make the creation connect with people, it's like double goal. Like, I mean, that's like, I love people. I love music. Put them both together. It's like, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's something people can expect going forward. That approach to it. Yeah. I, I hope. <laughs> Just connected, right? Yeah. Yeah. Present. I, I hope that the artist is present. Even if I'm mm -hmm. telling stories that are not about me. Like, let's say I, I make like a cowboy record and it's just straight up <laughs> fiction about like the Wild West or some stuff. I hope that it still has, my aim will always be that there's still human elements in it, right? Even if it's right. not about Nick, the songwriter, mm -hmm. maybe it's about, I mean, I've got a, new, a song on the new record. It's called Hey Sandra. And it's about like this, like kind of, it's kind of loosely based on my dad, but it's about this like kind of guy at a bar, like writing a letter to his lady and he's like apologizing and he's like making all these big promises and like i relate to the character but also like the character's not me it's very different yeah. it's about this like you know he's just different than me and i think that's but he's human and so yeah i hope i hope there's always some sort of spiritual connection mm -hmm. i guess going back to the your spirituality what has your your journey been like i know you started in the church mm. um what what was the evolution of that Dang, you're not scared to crack that open. I love that. Um, did you grow up in the church? Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, that for me, my parents were missionaries and they, they like, my mom was raised by a missionary family. Like a bunch of my, pa like my uncles and aunts are pastors and missionaries and stuff. So like my parents got out of the church, like full time working for the church and ended up like, you know, kind of having like private work jobs, like. My dad like entered the business world in, in his thirties. Like he had only ever worked at the church. So like yeah. my parents raised us very much like we went to public schools and my dad worked in like public places and my mom worked at like a daycare. So but we were always at the church. So it was like we weren't as fully enmeshed, I think, as they grew up, but it for me it felt like I mean, it's like God is it. That's all we did. I feel like that's all we talked about. I feel like that's all we consumed yeah. and um it was like God shaped media and my parents you know my dad would like watch movies and we were allowed we weren't like the strictest like we were allowed to watch some like regular tv and stuff and but my mom would always get kind of prick prickly about like you know like harry potter or you yeah. know like um uh, the simpsons or some stuff mm -hmm. like that and um yeah it was just our whole life and i and i bought it and i you know and i don't mean i don't i don't want to offend people when i talk about it because i i've gone through many different eras but I really believed it right. and I really, it really, I mean, I was like second grade. I was like, I had like a Jewish friend and I, I like was trying to convert him on the playground because I thought he was going to hell. Yeah. And now looking at it through that lens, I'm like, Hmm, that kid probably doesn't need to be thinking about his existential, <laughs> uh, home. Right. Yeah. That seems like a, a bit abusive and kind of gaslighty mm -hmm. to tell a kid that, certain kids are going to hell and you, yeah. and they're going to be eternally damned. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so like I, when I left 18 years old, I, I got broken up with a, a girlfriend. She told me that God 
said we weren't going to be married and we and she need she knew and that she needed to break up and I was devastated and I was like well why didn't God tell me and but then I moved here for the first time and I spent the winter here and being here and seeing people who loved me who didn't know Jesus mm-hmm. I had never been loved on by you know it broke my brain because I'd only ever known that you could love people if you were a Christian and watching like you know, we worked at the Moose's Tooth and we were very poor, like broke, broke, broke. Like we spent all of our money just to like have this room to rent downtown. My brother and I, we shared a one bedroom. I lived in the living room. He lived in the bedroom and it was like 800 bucks a month, which at the time felt like insane to me. Cause it was like, I was a kid and I was like, I was like more than my parents mortgage, uh, rent in, in Georgia for like a three bedroom house. We were, it was just insane to me anyway we were broke and we were, would often just eat like leftover or like mess up pizzas. We'd always had pizza at the house. It was, and the guys that lived next door to us at the apartment were also Mrs. Tooth cooks. And those guys didn't know God at all. They didn't know any church things, but they would like cook for me and they would like take me, like they had a car and they'd like, my car never worked. Jack and I literally had this old truck that never started. And so like, Coulter and Tom would like be like, yo, like we're going to the grocery store. You need a ride. Like, and that sort of like familial neighborly love. I had never felt that from someone without the stamp of like, this is cause God told me to love you. Yeah. And it broke my whole brain. And I was like, okay, this guy doesn't know Jesus and he's loving me. Like maybe you don't have to know Jesus to love. Maybe love is actually the whole thing, which like, that's what, what I've taken when I left the church. I didn't, I like for a while I was just angry and threw a lot of it out. But I think what I have come to now in my elder age is love people. That's the, that's the sauce. It's like, that's the the best part of the book is all the stuff about forgiveness and grace and love. And, um, and then I look for God in other ways, right? I look for God in hikes. I look for God in my dogs and, you know, I look for God in, um, in movies and I, I experience God, whatever that feeling is. I used to think it was God, but you know, like, I don't know if you've seen that meme. It's like, Oh, I thought, (laughs) I thought God was like, um, like I used to feel God at church when everybody was singing. And then I went to like a concert and then I went to a Coldplay (laughs) concert. I was like, Oh, (laughs) it's just like hearing a thousand people sing. Yeah. That's, it gets my like your hair stands up on your neck and mm-hmm. you're like oh my goodness like it's so human yes and like so I'm in I'm into that I like I like I feel like I'm I'm recreating a lot of those church feelings at my shows especially on tour like singing with people and and just community and and then going to shows like I love going to shows I need to go to shows yeah if I don't go to shows for a while I get this weird feeling like I get this sadness and then I'll go to a show and I like I'm just like ear to ear smiling and crying. And I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't feed this thing. Like I, I let I let myself go dry. And then I go see someone do art and I'm like, oh, oh, oh my God, I needed this so bad. So I, yeah. I think it's a very long way of saying like the spiritual thing has just changed for me. Um, I was bitter for a while. I was pretty yeah. angry when I left like 18 to 24. I was pretty 
uh, dark about it um, and would pick fights with like people with cross necklaces and stuff. And like <laughs> now I'm like, all right, you do you, I do me. My only person I can control is me. And that's mm-hmm. the only like I have to go to bed with my own brain. So I don't know. what What's your journey been like? I don't want to assume where you're at in yours, but yeah, um, kind of same thing as you. Like I grew up um, surrounded I was I grew up Catholic actually so mm. I was just surrounded by that like I went to a Catholic school and church and my parents were and it was it was very like world consuming but most of my friends were um not part of that at all so like I I had taste of it but kind of same thing like I I felt the need to convert people mm. like it was it was um like I felt all these obligations and all these um like existential dread um so it just brought a lot of negativity to yeah. me um i felt there's a lot of shame involved mm. um that was like the biggest feeling for me um and just slowly like i did have kind of like a very bitter um anti religion thing um but and i i still have a lot of life to live a lot of things to learn but now it's like i i'm definitely i'm spiritual i think it's important to enrich yourself spiritually and um i think spirituality is kind of your your relationship with the world around you so with nature with other people um and i i think like your relationship with people and things and love should not have some incentive to because because God will reward you or because you'll go to hell. Like I think it should be um, for itself. So that's that's something I've learned in my journey so far. Like it shouldn't. There should not be any like compu- compulsivity involved with it. There shouldn't be any negative feelings. You should do it because you it's you just have kind of like this natural law in you um to to interact with the world around you in a positive way um that's such a good way of saying it like literally so 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 beautiful (laughs) yeah yeah because what what good is good in love if it's because you have to yeah right it's it's a paradox it's like it's not really love anymore it's like it's um yeah love is something that's for no other reason than you want um the other party's well-being yeah you you can't have love if it's if it's um if there's a there's a deal behind it right i i am constantly comforted by the thought that there is nothing (laughs) that we are just bugs and it's an accident. And then I'm like, I remember someone saying like, Oh man, if I ever found out all this God stuff wasn't true, I'd be so bummed. I'm like, whatever. If this is an accident, then this is the coolest accident ever. And if it's intentional, if someone did this, then like, heck yeah. I don't think there's any plan or divine, you know, purpose, but I do feel like there's just magical stuff around. And it's like, if you keep your eyes open, (laughs) like you, yeah, there's, it doesn't feel like there's a rule book, but the like what you said, like there's like an innate feeling mm-hmm. to like to love people and be, have friends and like yeah. and I don't know. 
Yeah, it's not because of commandments. It's just kind of, we're social creatures. Yeah. So I, I definitely connected with your song, Fat Broke a Loser. Mm. That one stood out to me. Um, your your music is kind of Southern Gothic to me. <laughs> um, like you talk about the church a lot. You talk about you're from the South. Yeah. So I that's how I connect with it. Yeah, that's tight. I that makes me so happy. Um, that Hey Sandra song I was just talking about about this like Southern guy at a bar writing a letter. Like I wrote it with uh, uh, this guy Stephen Collier who plays guitar with, in Ethel Kane's band. Oh yeah. And uh, cool. I feel like Ethel's on that like just dark Southern Gothic stuff, but it feels so. It feels real and I feel like she's talking about like just interesting stuff and I feel like my version of it is so different, but mm-hmm. it does feel informed by like, I mean, John Prine like is, I hadn't heard John Prine until I was in college and he has so many songs about like just Southern, I don't know, it's like poor folk stories, but like he has a song about this guy coming back from Vietnam and like getting hooked on heroin and it's like really sad and messed up, but it's like real. And then he also has goofy songs about like, drinking beer and like like being you know married to someone for too long and um i think that though as much as i never felt southern now in my that i'm aging in i i i am i'll never get rid of my christianness i'll mm-hmm. never get rid of my southernness yeah even if i'm not a christian and i don't live in the south yeah christianness also has a stink yeah it's it's on you yeah and it's like i used to just be like oh i'm a former or I was raised like that, but it's not me. It's like, no, like the same way people are like culturally Catholic or culturally Jewish or mm-hmm. culturally like whatever it's, it's you, you can't get rid of it. Right. You, yeah. you know, the prayers, you know, yeah. you're never going to not have that stuff in you. You know, yeah. you're going to always think about that and you're always going to be like, Oh, well my mom used to say this. And like, yeah. it's, it's kind of just part of our identity. And when I was bitter and angry, I used to be like, Oh, I'm going to delete this. And like, you mm-hmm. can't delete it. Mm-mm. Yeah, like you still have the compulsion to pray. Yeah, you still do the sign of the cross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 No, but I yeah I like that comparison to Ethel Kane. Like mm. you guys are kind of like the the light and dark, the yin and yang. Like <laughs> she is very very um, grimy. Yeah. And like um, I like both sides of it. I like music that will like touch on just like the disturbing. Um, grime and then um music like yours which is yes it's very um emotive and um vulnerable but it's not as like it doesn't like make you um disturbed it more it's it's more comforting yeah i i think uh, yeah i want to always poke the bear like i always Mm want to poke those big questions those big what if questions those big like existential pains but i also do want there to always kind of be like an under underlay of like hope i I was describing this to someone yesterday and he's like your music's kind of like a dark comedy yeah (laughs) i'm like yeah all right like and that was kind of a good reframe for me like um that there is pain and laughter right it's like Mm -hmm. um and uh that's why i love like like 
Lucy Dacus and, mm -hmm. and, um, and I mean, all of Boy Genius, but Julian and, and Lucy, I think have really, I mean, all of, all three of them do, but have really good ways of just putting in a little bit of humor, a little bit of, a, a little bit of a silver lining. Um, and I think that that's just important as you farm your pain and as you make peace with like the people that raised you, even yeah. if they did it wrong, it's like, they're still human yeah. and everyone, everyone's fine. We're mm -hmm. all going to be fine. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Lucy has this song about um, called Thumbs. I don't know if you've heard it. It's about like throwing, putting her thumbs through the eyeballs of her like ex-girlfriend's dads. <laughs> like it's like her like gruesomely like, you know, like hurting her ex-girlfriend's dad because yeah. he was kind of abusive. And she's like, oh, I just picture like the line is like, oh, he has your eyes or you have his and I picture like just putting my thumbs through them. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like it's so, yeah. but it's in defense of her friend. It's right. like, it's right. It's like pure love. She's like, she just wants to defend her friend that she loves deeply and watching someone put pain on her friend. She's like, oh, I want to hurt that person. And it's like, it's such a pure feeling mm -hmm. and it's such a, a human emotion. We've all felt, we've all watched someone get spoken to mean or be hurt by someone and been like, mm, I want to defend them. Right. And, um, that feeling i've never been in that situation right but i felt that tune right. and it's like yeah. that's what i want it's like you sneak in little stories that honor your past sneak in little stories that honor who you want to be and then you sneak in just real truths that maybe are gross and uncomfortable and maybe they can touch on the grime or they can touch on like a bit of optimism right and that's that's a very unchristian type of love because you're hurting someone mm. in the act of defending them but it's still love yeah and Lucy's yeah. Lucy came up in, big in the church, so yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of church stuff there. Yeah, we were never allowed to be mean, be yeah. hurt, be a, a violent. Yeah, um, which I think that's a big part of me now—not violence, but like, um, like some maybe the anger mm -hmm. and stuff that I never allowed myself to feel. Like, I mean, I, like rage obviously is like a tune I have about having rage inside of me, and I think it's a bit more like um, uh, spiritual rage, not like actual anger but <laughs> i do think that's the thing i need to honor like because i was very yeah. soft kid i still am a very soft like sensey kid but i never allowed myself to maybe get have like anger yeah or or any i mean there's a lot of emotions that you're not allowed as like a good christian kid you're supposed to like yeah. be just like nice yeah nice <laughs> polite mm -hmm. yeah. yeah anger is such a stigmatized emotion yeah I feel like it's the only emotion that can't be kind of like hushed. Like if someone's mm. crying, if someone's sad, you can just like comfort them and hush them. But anger is so like uncontrollable. And I think that's why it's so stigmatized. Yeah. And anger is a, a real emotion and it's a proper emotion and it, and it informs us. Mm -hmm. Like what you get angry about is deeply informative to what you care about. Yeah. And, um, and you know, it, there's good anger and there's impaired anger, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're, you know, some guy getting out of his car and threatening to kick your window in, it's like, obviously that's impaired, right? It's like, okay, he felt, he felt threatened. I got, maybe I got too close to him or I was, you know, like whatever he's running late. Like he must care about the meeting he's going to, or he cares about that. Maybe he's got a kid in the car. Like it, it's so informative. Like anger is such a beautiful emotion and a signal of like what we 
give a rat's about. Right. Yeah, off your um, Soft Boy album, I forget which song it was, but you're talking about just, like, standing up for yourself and kind of starting to come out of your shell. Mm. I really connected with that. Yeah, yeah. I. It's It's taken me a long time to... <laughs> stand up well just learn how to say no you know and stand up for anything and find out what i my my therapist calls it like what are my pure my pure yeses and no's like Mm -hmm. what are my like spiritual yeses and no's like what do i actually know 100 percent. this is a not for me dog (laughs) yeah right yeah what's the theme behind soft boy soft boy was written in my like kind of really low dark drunk place like when I moved here that was when I wrote a lot of those tunes so like um uh let's see what's on there little chubby boy Mm -hmm. um fat broke loser um honestly that's a dark tune that's like about that breakup uh I was telling you about that the woman that reached out to me today actually that's crazy um uh somebody else is an angry tune on there yeah um um there's like I think that that record is just me um, trying to make peace with dropping out of school, moving up here. Who am I? Mean, yeah, I used to talk talk to Jesus. Now I'm drunk talking to myself. Yeah. Like, you know, that's just so. Or or even like just cr- critical of myself. That that was a that was a time when I was deeply looking into my own lens and saying, "Who am I? Do I still want to be around?" Like. That was like full, dark self-discovery. I was, I mean, misery, like that's on that record. Yeah, that's an interesting. I haven't listened back to that album in a while. Um, but the, I mean, that misery story is, was my brother and his wife going through their divorce, and it felt relatable to me because I was going through a similar thing back in Nashville, and it's just lonely. I mean, there's a lot of loneliness on that album. There's a lot of like, just sadness and pain and. Um, it's funny because James and I made it like right after we got sober, but it still has all the the vibes of the year we spent like just pretty much drunk together, like yeah. avoiding. So a lot of the songs come from an avoidant place, whereas I feel like Rough Boy that follows it has a bit a lot more optimism because we made that. That was songs I wrote as I was getting sober, whereas Soft Boy has all of the actually impaired tunes and then Rough Boy is like, kind of a bit brighter and um yeah it was, that was an interesting year it was a weird year <laughs> it was a good year 2018. yeah 2018 the first song i ever heard of yours was 99 corolla oh wow yeah so i yeah i had a completely different impression of you and then i started listening through more of your discography yeah but yeah, yeah. there was a kid in my class who um worked on a music video with you oh nice on that music video so sick yeah yeah, I, I worried about that when we put out Corolla. I was like, oh, man, people are going to think we're like a pop band mm-hmm. or that I don't have like really dark stories. But even Corolla, like if you slowed it down, it's still like my writing, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like feeling like sad, feeling alone. Like, you know, I like um I thought, you know, just the concept of, of the, you, you kept having reasons to stay up watching seasons. So like these two people are just sitting in an apartment watching TV mm-hmm. and drinking is yeah. like, that's the story of that song is like two people, very sad in winter 
eating their emotions, drinking their emotions, driving around, looking for feeling like we were doing donuts at the bro bell, the, the on diamond, yeah. like, like that's, that was me just being like anything to feel something. Cause we're both so depressed. And then, I mean, then you turn it into like a, like a pop tune, which yeah. is like hilarious, but, um, but I think that's a cool, um, like tool that artists will use like a very dark song with a poppy tune. Yeah. I love, I mean, that's such a fun way to sneak. Yeah. Juxtapose yeah. like, really dark stuff with like kind of some fun catchy stuff you can right. really or like like kill bill by SZA. yeah it's like i see like kids like listening to that on the radio i'm like oh my goodness like <laughs> what i love that yeah yeah and you can still hear kind of like the the emotion like the kind of roar in your voice on that song yeah yeah even though it's upbeat like there's still kind of like a um a choked up sound to it. Yeah. I think I always want there to be that emotional presence. And and I, I think I rewrite this the same songs over and over again. Like, kind of like, I feel like Fat Broke Loser is like, basically like um, a state of the union of Nick's mental health <laughs> in 2017. And then I feel like Never Learn to Dance is like pretty much the same sort of like internal scan from 2022. Um and now I'm a year out from writing Never Learn to Dance, and I'm like, oh, I feel much different than that kid. And that kid felt feels so different from the Fat Broke Loser kid. Yeah. Like, and so, I mean, like, I feel like I'm constantly just, like, digging, like, trying to, trying to explain myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, like, always trying to make sense of why the heck I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and what I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so – is it for you, have you ever felt um, like very sure and settled, like sure of yourself and settled? Or is it a constant evolution? Hmm. Like, or is it something else for you? I, it comes in like tiny waves. Yeah. Some days, sometimes hours. I feel like I got this. Yeah. Um, and then the next day I'll, I'll have like a kind of a low day or a weird day and then I'll be like right out of my element again. So I, I don't know that I'll ever feel, I think it comes with like maybe some financial stability, having good people around. Like I definitely think there are ways to feel more sure. Um, but I don't know if I'll ever stop having like large anxieties or, uh, existential fears and, um, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of hope I never get too settled. I don't like I obviously want to feel safe and have like a spiritual home and have a partner or like have like uh, people that know me, know me, know me and like be good and safe. But like I, I hope there's always a little bit of discomfort so that I'm always like wondering. I don't know. I think I don't know if you ever feel, you know, I, I get what you're saying. Like yeah. how you can't evolve without. Um, something pushing you without discomfort pushing you yeah and um sitting in the same place is depressing so yeah, yeah i understand what you're saying and sometimes jo- joy is depressing i mean yeah getting getting the what you want can be depressing right it's like sometimes i wish i still bartended like la- la- two weeks ago i was in la and i was on this like cool writing trip and i was having a blast and i was at this bar and i was watching the bartender and he was like doing dishes and he was like so busy and i was like man 
oh, I bet he's going to sleep so good tonight. Like, yeah. what have I done today? I've, I've gone to a studio and like been creative and, and made a beat and played piano and sang and went to like two different coffee meetings in a, in a fancy dinner. And I'm like, like, I would love to trade with this man, like, and just be in the trenches washing glasses and shaking ice and, you know, like, and then you realize like, okay, life is just weird like that. You're always going to be a little uncomfortable or maybe a little bit jealous or a little bit um, gr grass is greener type beat. But uh, I think in because I now know that, I know that, I mean, there's a lyric in Adam, right? The, the only thing I know, I know for sure is that I don't know how it's going to go. And so the, my my constant is is change, which yeah. sounds like so hippie weird, but it's I just mean like your only guarantee is like chaos. Yeah. And so yeah. in that, your stable, your constant is you. Mm -hmm. It's like why I love like meditation and like kind of like like that whole ethos is like you your breath, you you're always breathing. <laughs> you can always you know sense right if whatever even if you have if you don't if you have one of your senses missing you still have some something you can sense right you're sitting in a chair you can feel your body in this chair you can hear your breath you can feel your breathing like and then you can ground in that and be like right well every day is nuts but at least i have this and then what else is in in my control and i don't know how we got here but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway yeah this has been awesome yeah yeah Thank you for yeah, this is a great conversation. You have great questions. Thank you. Yeah, it was great talking to you. Yeah. I'm glad I got to officially meet you. Like, I've seen you up on the stage, but I haven't yeah. actually ever had a conversation with you. So. Yeah, this yeah. is great. That was Atme producer Maria Coop speaking with Nick Carpenter, the singer-songwriter of the Alaska-based band Medium Build. You've been listening to Zoom Room, a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music is done by myself, Kendrick Whiteman, with additional music from Devin Schreckengoss. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Atme. Just go to Patreon slash Alaska Teen Media. You can help us out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Kendrick Whiteman. Thanks for listening.